Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online or by television. Thanks for taking the time to worship with us and to join us today. In just a few moments at the end of this message, we are going to share in a time of communion together. And so I would invite you, if you want to join with us in that, maybe to gather some communion elements, something that would represent the bread and something that would represent the cup um, so that we can share in that special time together. And we are now at the front door of December. Um, That's an exciting time for us. And so it's good for us at the beginning of this time, whether you're in this room or you're watching this on a screen somewhere, to just kind of begin to turn our hearts in different ways. One of the things that I love about December, this week marks our birthday as a church. Um, Earlier this week, Calvary turned 69 years old. And uh, yeah, happy birthday to us, right? And uh, so excited for the heritage that God gave us. Five families 69 years ago that made a courageous step because they said there's too many lost people. Toledo needs another church to help people find Jesus Christ. And uh, for 69 years, this church has had a history and a heritage of trusting God, taking bold moves of faith, and helping others to experience the life change that only comes through Jesus And I'm so honored to be able to share with you and be a part of that. December is also our opportunity um, to begin to prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And we get pretty excited for Christmas. I don't know about your house, but as I look around and at my house, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Anywhere else? starting to see those things and uh, start to listen to different songs and we're buying gifts and we're decorating and we're getting those things. And look, I know there's a commercial side to all of that and so many of those things. That's a subject for another day. Today, I wanna talk about what Christmas is all about. The fact that Jesus came the first time and we believe that Jesus came to earth as a baby 2,000 years ago. In fact, for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna look at that truth and why that's so important. Here's what I wanna talk about today, though. Not only did he come the first time, we believe that he's coming again. Scripture tells us this, that Jesus is coming again. Now, I'm excited for Christmas, but here's my question for you. Am I as excited about Jesus coming a second time as I am excited to celebrate that he came the first time? And I'm pretty stoked to celebrate Christmas. I love the time with my family. I'm just gonna be really honest and, and uh, just kind of vulnerable with you. I like getting gifts, like, I like the food. I like the cookies. Can I get an amen? Right, I like all those things. I'm excited to celebrate that he came the first time. But am I as excited to celebrate the fact and know that Jesus is coming a second time? Here's the truth. Jesus is coming Now, there's certain things that when we know they're coming, we get excited. I I, I get a kick out of watching certain people that when certain seasons come, they get excited about those seasons. Probably the clearest is you can watch a lot of people that just when it's not football season, they long for football season. Like that's what they're waiting for. Or I hear hunters talk about hunting season. Or maybe you're looking forward to a certain movie or a certain recording that's going to come out or a TV show or a restaurant that's going to open or some concert you're going to go to. We have these certain things that we look forward to them. We long, 
for those things. And then sometimes you interact with somebody and you go, oh man, I'm just so excited that this is going to happen. And you realize, you recognize that they could care less. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like they just do not share your same excitement. Like you are stoked, you are jazzed, you cannot wait for that thing to happen. And then when you talk to them about it, it's clear they're happy for you. They know it's gonna happen. They believe that football season is back. They believe that movie's coming out. They might see it. They, they might watch. Like, they know it's true, but they're not really excited about it. Now, look, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming. Someday, he's coming again. And, and there's all kinds of theology that we could look at here. There's all kinds of things. If you're interested what we believe as a church about the second coming of Jesus Christ... We're, we're a part of the Assemblies of God. That's the fellowship of churches that Calvary is a part of. And if you want to learn more, you can go to ag.org, the Assemblies of God's website, ag.org. And there you can see the things that we believe in, in a deeper way theologically. But here's what we know. Jesus is coming. But here's what I've come to find out. Jesus is coming, and we don't seem to care. Like, we talk about him coming. We say we believe it. But when we really come down to it, like, if you look at how we live our lives, the things we talk about, the way we act, the way we believe, Jesus is coming, and for many of us, we don't seem to care. And some of you go, how dare you, Chad? How dare you say, I don't care? Now, look, I, I can't speak for each and every one of you, and maybe it is at the forefront of your mind. Maybe it is something you think about and consciously live for every day. I'm just telling you that culturally, it seems like we've lost a sense of urgency. Now, we don't seem to have this urgency or this focus on the fact that Jesus is coming again. It seems like in the way that we live, not just as a culture, but even if you take a larger look at the church, we say we know that Jesus is coming, but we really don't seem to care. It's not that scripture is silent because the Bible over and over again, Old and New Testament, has prophecies about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's not that it's not imminent. We believe that it could happen at any time. The Bible says that like a thief in the night, Jesus will come. And we know that we're closer today. You can just look at the headlines and see that we're closer today than we've ever been to prophecies being fulfilled and Jesus coming again. And it's not that the world is perfect and that we don't need Jesus to come back. Anybody experience 2020? <laughs> like, so when you think and talk about those things, we realize it's true he's coming. I just, I just don't hear about it. I don't hear about it even the way that I used to. Now, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, but I, I can remember being in church and we sang a lot more songs about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I heard more people talk about it. I saw it more prominently in, in our experience, even as followers of Jesus. And I know as humans, we, we tend to kind of go through cycles of the things we talk about and the things that we're urgent about. But especially in a time like this, the times we're living in, it seems like we know Jesus is coming. We just don't seem to care that much about it. And let me tell you why I think this is. Four reasons that I want to show you, and we're going to see it in the text today. Four reasons we've stopped caring that Jesus is coming back. It seems like as a culture, maybe even as followers of Jesus Christ, there's things that sometimes keep us from realizing how important this is. Four reasons we've stopped caring that Jesus is coming back. Here's the first one. Number one, sometimes we've stopped caring because we've been waiting so long. <laughs> like as a church, historically, 
we've been waiting 2,000 years. I mean, let's be honest, we've been saying this for 2,000 years, believing a promise that many would say some guy just made 2,000 years ago. The people then believed that it would probably happen in their lifetime, as have generation after generation. And so some will look at this truth of Jesus coming again and say, look, you're just, you're just wasting your time. It has been so long. Is he ever really coming back? We're in a series of messages that we are calling I am because we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus. Seven in the Gospel of John. We looked at one in the book of Revelation last week. We're gonna look at our last one in the book of Revelation today. He actually says this four times in the book of Revelation where he talks about how he is coming and Jesus says this in Revelation chapter three, verse 11. He says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. With each one of these four times that he makes this statement, I am coming soon, what we see is that Jesus not only tells us he's coming, but he tells us what he wants us to know because of that. And in this one, he's very clear. He says, I'm coming soon. He's writing to the church in Philadelphia who's experiencing persecution. This is at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. And in that moment, Jesus says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He says you need perseverance. He says you need patience. You hold on to what you have because I am coming soon. Now he didn't tell us when, he just said soon. And he told us that we need to persevere because victory will be found if we hold on, he says. So why is it that sometimes we feel like we've been waiting so long and we lose patience? One of the reasons why I think we've kind of lost that urgency about Jesus coming back is is we've lost patience with too many false prophets. We've lost patience with too many false prophets. Over the years, there have been people after people who have come and said, I think I know when Jesus is coming back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? (laughs) People have written books, people have made statements. There was a guy even not that long ago that it was billboards and books and all this stuff about Jesus was coming back on this date. Did he come back then? No, he didn't, and we need to be wise about that. Predicting when Jesus might come back sells a lot of books, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I wanna encourage you to be careful that you're not a prophaholic. This is what I've seen some people become. They get so intoxicated with so-called prophetic teachings that they stop realizing the truth behind what the Bible actually says. We need to be wise. Don't be a prophaholic. Just because somebody says they're a prophet doesn't mean they are a prophet. Does that make sense? You need to be wise in this. It's all about the fruit. It's all about Do they back it up with scripture? So we not only need to be wise, but we also need to be scriptural when we look at these things. And here's something that's really clear in scripture. Jesus never called us to try to figure this out. Like like we love it when someone can say, this is what scripture says, and this is what the headline says, and we connect these things, and now I'm telling you that this prophecy is happening right now. Now look, there's some things in scripture and historically that we can do that. And there's some teachers, and I think even people that God has gifted, to be able to communicate in those ways. But we don't need to try to connect every headline to a Bible verse to try to prove that we know exactly what's going on. I I was going through my own library, my own kind of pastoral library, and I have a lot of books that two of my uncles, who were 
are now deceased, but were ministers, gave to me. And I found one. The title of this book is, Is Kissinger Giving Us to Russia? And it was this great prophetic teaching. And when I say, is Kissinger giving us to Russia, if you don't know what that means, it proves my point. That the prophecies that this guy was trying to tag to the headlines, we look back now 30, 40 years later and go, okay, you were saying things that you couldn't back up. Now look, I'm not being critical of that person. I'm saying we need to be wise. Jesus never called us to figure it out. Watch this, Acts chapter one, verse six. The disciples were gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's natural. We always want to figure it out. They're asking, how are the end times going to play out? That's their question. And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus says, look, stop trying to figure it out because it's not yours to know. You know what yours is? Yours is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, I'm not asking you to figure it out. I'm telling you it's going to happen soon. So go and use the gifts that God has given you by the power of the Holy Spirit to help others come to know me. Now, look, Jesus calls us to watch these things. Matthew chapter 24. Look at what he says here in verse 32. He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, he's talked about all these prophetic signs in Matthew 24. He says, when you see them, you know that it's near, that it's right out the door. He says, look, when you see these things happen, know that my coming is soon. But he doesn't say to try to connect the dots. In fact, in a couple more verses, he says this, Matthew 24, verse 36. He says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And I've heard some people say, well, you might not know the day or hour, but I bet he can let you know the month or year. Stop it. That's not what it says. What it says is we're not supposed to try to figure it out. We're supposed to trust him, look to him. And sometimes we've lost patience because of false prophets. And we've also lost patience because we have too little confidence in what Jesus said. We don't hold on to his word with confidence. For centuries, people have said, is he really coming back? You've been waiting so long. They said that within decades of Jesus' death and resurrection. In fact, so that Peter had to write this to the church, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid there. Peter says this, it's coming. He's coming again. But just because he hasn't come yet doesn't mean he's coming. You need to have the right perspective on time. He says that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And we say, Jesus, you've been waiting 2,000 years. And he says, it's only been a couple of days. We have to have his perspective on time. 
I want to show you a few things from the book of Revelation that we're going to learn. And here's the first revelation reminder I want to share with you today. And it's this. We wait for Christ's return knowing that God has a different perspective on time than we do. Has it been a long time? To us it has been. But we don't have his perspective. That's maybe the first reason why I think sometimes we've lost our urgency for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's the second reason I don't think we talk about it as much or think about it as much or, or share it as much as we used to, and it's this, number two, because we do not like to talk about judgment. I think a second reason that we maybe don't seem to care about the second coming is we don't like to talk about judgment. Here's the second I am statement that we see of this in Revelation. It's in Revelation 22. In fact, there'll be three of them in this chapter Revelation 22, verse seven, Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. He says, look, if you do my word, if you live out my commandments, you will be blessed. He says there is a blessing that comes with obedience. He says that he will give us his blessing. And if he's gonna bless us and give us rewards, then it also means that he is the one who is the judge. Revelation 19, verse 11, describes Jesus in this way. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, speaking of Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages war. Jesus will come again, and when he does, he will be the judge. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We are waiting for him to come again, not just because he's the judge, but because he is the one who will give us our rewards. But we don't like to talk about judgment. Because we live in a day and time in a culture where we hear over and over again how we are to be tolerant, how we're to allow people to, to live their own lives. If you remember the myths we looked at a few weeks ago, we talked about how in our culture we're quick to say, hey, you do you, and you, you live your truth, and you live your best life, and all roads lead to God. When the reality is Jesus says, look, I'm the res- I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last week, the I am statement we looked at was Revelation twenty two thirteen, where Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's saying here, when he says he's the end, he's saying there he is the judge. He is the one who will come with judgment. And if you read through the stories that Jesus tells in the gospels, over and over again in the parables, he talks about this idea that he will come with judgment. When he comes again, there will be reward and there will be judgment. One of the classic ones is in Matthew 25. We often refer to it as the parable of the talents. I won't go into the whole story here, but in in the end of the story, there's two responses. One response Jesus has to the person who was a good steward with what Jesus had given to them. And when the judge returns, when the ruler returns, Here's what he says, Matthew 25, verse 21. His master replied, now this is to the person who was a good steward. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This verse tells us that Jesus will reward the righteous. 
When he comes again, Jesus will reward the righteous. Who are the righteous? The people who are right with God. So if you're right with God, if you're living your life for him, if you're focused on his purpose for your life, then you can know that when he comes, he will come with his reward. This is the basic idea of what sports teams do, right? That they train and they practice and they prepare because they know they want to get to that point of a championship so that they can stand in front of an arena, they can stand in front of their fans, they can stand in front of those TV cameras and have someone hand them that trophy and hear it said, well done, You were good, you were faithful, you did what you were called to do. That is what we live our lives for. We live for that well done. That day when we'll look Jesus in the eye, we'll know that we did our best. And he'll look at us and he'll say, well done. He will reward the righteous. But you go a few more verses in that story. And then Jesus talks to the one who is not a faithful steward. And Jesus says this, Matthew 25, verse 30 The response is, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And look, we don't have time to go into the whole context of that and the whole detail of the story, but what you understand is Jesus will not only reward the righteous, but Jesus will judge the unrighteous. Like at some point, those that have not been right with God and those that have not been faithful with what he's entrusted to us, it won't just be a reward, it'll be judgment. And one of the reasons I think that we don't talk about the second coming so much is we fail to remember how important this is, that lives are in the balance, that eternity with Jesus is in the balance, that Jesus is coming again. And whether it's talking about the rapture or his second coming or the fact that he might come for you today or tomorrow, like this current season with the pandemic and and so many natural disasters of this last time have reminded us that all of us, our lives are fragile. They could end at any moment. And if that moment were to come for you, would you be ready to stand before Jesus? Look, I think we forget about that. We may have no passion for the lost because we've stopped really believing that Jesus is coming back. Because I think if we believed that he was coming back, it would motivate us in a whole different way. I just asked my mom about this this week because I'm thankful that somebody had this passion. My mom tells a story about how her dad grew up in a kind of nominal Christian environment, didn't have much of a relationship with the Lord. If you asked him, yeah, he went to church, but he wasn't saved. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. It didn't change his life at all. My mom tells the story about how the farm that my grandpa um, farmed backed up to a farm that his sister and family were at. And one day he came out and his sister was at the gate and there was something that had happened in her life. There was a change that had happened. And she looked at him and she said, Bill, Bill, Jesus is coming and you need to get saved. And it wasn't her preaching some kind of sermon at him. It was something that had stirred up inside of her life because she had this urgency that Jesus was coming and she knew her brother was not right. And that was a moment when his heart was opened and he confessed Jesus as his savior and Lord. He changed his whole life, which not only changed his life, but changed the life of his children and changed my family's life, all because someone had an urgency, a passion, because Jesus is coming again. 
Look, as I tell those stories, for some of you, there's something stirring inside of you that there are people in your life that you need to, not in, a, not in an obnoxious or in a, in a mean-spirited way, that you need to share with them that, that their time, it matters. Jesus is coming again. It may even be that God is stirring something inside of you, not just to share your faith, but maybe to share your life in some way, maybe even a, 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 a step of faith into missions in some way or giving your life in some unique way. If you sense something that you can't understand in that stirring, that's God calling you to take steps of faith and trust him to use your life in a new way. Here's, here's what I want you to get. Revelation reminder from this passage is this. There is coming a day of judgment or reward for us all. Because Jesus is coming again. And yet for many of us, we just, seems like we don't seem to care. Why is that? Here's a third reason, number three. I think it's because we're consumed by today. We're so consumed by today that we forget that there is a day that Jesus is coming again. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, this is the third I am statement like this in the book of Revelation. One in chapter three, there's gonna be three of them here in chapter 22 in the, in the last chapter of the book. And Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. My question is, when was the last time I thought about that reward? Like, when was the last time that my life was, was motivated by the fact that Jesus has a reward for me? Not by what I can be rewarded with right now, not, not by what I'm living for today. Look, all those things matter. I, I want to make a good income. I want to provide for my family. I want to leave a legacy. I want to accomplish something. But at some point, that's the only reward that matters. By why is it that for many of us, we don't seem to care? Because we're consumed by today. I think sometimes we're consumed by today's comforts. It could be that we're just too comfortable. Look, I, I was there. I, I, I can remember seasons in my life when I heard preachers preach and say, Jesus is coming again. And I said, well, man, I'm glad he is. And they've said the rapture could happen at any moment. And I was like, okay, I want to be ready but there's this bucket list in the back of my brain. Before Jesus comes again, I wanna get married, and then I wanna get a good job, and I wanna have kids, and I wanna visit the Grand Canyon. You know you have those things where you're like, okay, I'm excited Jesus is coming back, but before he does, I wanna check off the bucket list of things. And we forget that greater than any of those experiences is the reward that he's gonna have for us, and yet sometimes we forget how important this is because we're consumed with our comforts you know, we, we are wrapping up the first week of what many traditions is the Advent season and going into the second week of that season. And traditionally, the first week of Advent is spent looking at the fact that Jesus is coming again. Not just that he came the first time, but that he's coming again. We do this, this teaching stream, this, this uh, thing that we do online, Facebook, YouTube, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And this week, we're going to start talking about how Christmas ties in to these truths that we see in Scripture. Because it's easy for us to be consumed with today's comforts and forget that Jesus is coming again. We can also be consumed by today's challenges and forget that Jesus is coming again. In 2020, so many of us, at times myself included, have been so focused on the things that seem to be falling apart around us, that we forget that Jesus told us that 
The world was gonna be like this. We don't live in a perfect world. We shouldn't be surprised when the world we live in is broken because it won't be repaired until he comes again. And too many times I become so consumed by today's challenges that I fail to realize how important that day is, looking forward to when he comes again. When I get consumed with today's challenges, I end up messing up the day I'm in and not celebrating the good things that are ahead. Like I'm not proud of this moment, but I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I'm not exactly sure how old I was, but it was my birthday. And uh, my mom and dad gave me a birthday party. And I can remember we had this kind of finished basement in our home when I grew up and our family was all down there and we were doing all this different kind of stuff and you had, you had all these things. I knew it was, just, it was just before it was time for us to have the cake and I was gonna blow out the candles and all this. And my cousin was there. And does anybody have somebody in your family that can really push your buttons? Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody that they just know how. It's a good thing many of you didn't raise your hand because you might be sitting with that person. There's somebody in your life who just, they know how to, mm, and my, in that season of my life, my cousin and I, it seemed like we were always like, and I don't know what he did, but something happened in that moment and something just stirred up inside of me. We are seconds away from birthday cake and for some reason, I got so mad at him that, and I've repented of this, the Lord has changed my heart. I don't want you to judge me because of this. But I got so mad at him that I just spit at him. Just, I was just, oh, so, I couldn't remember, just, oh, I just, and I, and that was not popular with my mom and dad. And I can remember, like, we put pause on the birthday cake for a few minutes, and Chad got disciplined there for a few minutes, and then the whole tone of the party changed, and I have great regret about that. I kind of wrecked the whole thing. Here's why. I was so consumed by that challenge in that moment that I responded in a way that I look back at, and I don't, I don't, I'm not proud of that. I regret that. And I wrecked the whole big picture of what was happening. Look, I can get so consumed in the moment that I forget the bigger picture, that of course the world is broken, because Jesus is coming again. It's not until then that I can expect that things will be perfect, that things will be right. And there's so many things that happen in this life that it would really help me if I would just ask the question, will this matter in eternity? (laughs) Like when I get on the other side of this life, when I'm face to face with Jesus, is this really gonna matter in eternity? Five seconds after the rapture, am I gonna care about this anymore? I wanna live my life through the lens of eternity. Revelation reminder for this part, today is temporary, eternity is forever, which takes us to this fourth I am statement. I want you to catch something here too that I think is really important. If you look at the book of Revelation, the structure of it, the first three chapters, Jesus talks a lot Like it's him basically dictating to the Apostle John letters to seven churches in a time of crisis. We looked at these things last spring. And Jesus talks through these things. And then, except for just a couple of segments, brief things from chapter four through chapter 21, we don't hear from Jesus. It's John telling us the things that he sees. And then when we get to chapter 22, Jesus talks again. Three different times where he makes these statements, kind of short um, paragraphs of what he has to say. Three times in chapter 22, 
the last three statements that Jesus makes to us, not just in the book of Revelation, but in the Bible, in, in the history of the recorded kind of inspired word of God, the very end, there's three times that Jesus talks to us. And all three times in that last chapter when he speaks, he starts out by saying this, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, he starts all through of three of them, Revelation 22, 20, where he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. All three of those times, he starts with the phrase, I am coming soon. It must be important if he says that. So here's the fourth thing that I want you to see, fourth reason, I think, why maybe Jesus is coming back and we don't seem to care because we've lost our longing for Jesus. We've become consumed with so many other things. We've lost our longing for Jesus. We fail to remember what it will be like. Revelation 22, verse one, it describes what it will be like when Jesus comes again. When we're in his presence, we read, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever. Never. You know, I think sometimes I forget how important it is that Jesus is coming back because my concept of eternity is just too small. I think that someday that Jesus will come back and, and yeah, it's gonna be great because there's no sickness or death or tears or pain or, or, or dying in those places, but I also think in my mind that it's like I'm just gonna be in a church service for eternity. <laughs> Some of you feel like right now you've been in a church service for eternity. And the reality is what it's gonna be is our humanity in a perfect form. We will experience and live life in a way like we never have before. Have you ever had one of those things where in your life you look forward to it? Some of you feel that way about the summer all winter long. Where you look forward to that time when the sun will shine and you can go outside and experience that warmth. Some of you feel that way. I remember there was a season of time where I drove this car where it seemed like every time I got in the car something new went wrong with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And eventually I was able to get rid of that car and get a new one. And I remember sitting in that new car with a radio that worked right and air conditioning and windows that went up and down, like all these things. I didn't have a crack in the windshield. The windshield wipers actually worked. Like it was, it was this moment. I remember sitting in this car with my hand on the steering wheel and going, finally, this is what I've been waiting for. We live in a broken world. And someday we're gonna find ourselves in the presence of Jesus He's gonna come again and allow us to come into a world that is new and that is full. And sometimes we're so focused on today that we forget to long for that moment when we'll be in his presence. In fact, for some of us, what we've done is we've looked at Jesus as just the answer to our issues today. And we've traded out the eternal king of the universe for a, a watered down self-help savior of our own making. And Jesus wants to be so much more than that to us. He wants you to live life to the full today. But no, you'll never know it until you fully get on the other side of heaven. So my question is, are you longing for when Jesus comes again? 
I know I've shared this before, but one of the most impactful sermons in my life came when I was in high school, and I can remember my pastor, Steve Sparks, Warren First Assembly, preaching a sermon where he asked us, did you wake up today and ask yourself, could today be the day? Could today be the day when Jesus comes again? I wanna long for his appearing. He says, I am coming soon. And here's a revelation reminder for you. We are made with a longing that only a coming king will satisfy. It will only be found in him. So I bring us back to the question that I asked at the beginning. Are you as excited about when Jesus comes the second time as you are to celebrate the fact that he came the first time? Jesus is coming again. It's interesting as we begin this season of remembering that Jesus came the first time, even as it's traditional in the Advent cycle, we want to remember that he is coming again. In fact, if you look at the teachings of the early church in the first few centuries of the church, one of the things that they did is they always connected communion, the Lord's Supper. That teaching was connected not just to what Jesus did, but to what he was going to do. Not just that he had died on the cross for our sins, but that he was coming again, not just to redeem us, but to save us and to fix this broken world and to give us life eternal. And so as we conclude this message today, we're not just going to talk about the fact that Jesus came the first time. We're going to remember that he's coming again. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 reminds us of this. It tells us that when we come to this point, that whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We look forward to when he comes again. So I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and take your communion elements with me, if you would, please. And as you do, as scripture asks us, I'm gonna invite you to examine your own hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 reminds us that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so whether you're in this room or wherever you are right now, if you're at home or you're watching this on a screen somewhere, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? And I guess first I'd ask you to consider in your own heart, are you looking forward to the time when Jesus comes again? Or do you say today, God, I, I need to in a new way, fresh and again. Look to you, Lord. Invite you to change my life and to change my heart. That if there's places where I'm consumed with today, or maybe, Father, if there's things that I've allowed to, to take your place in my life. God, if it's just been so long, or maybe I've just lost some of that longing for you. Lord, may I always remember that Jesus, today could be the day that Jesus is coming again. 
In fact, it could be that right now you, you would say, not only have I not thought a whole lot about him coming again, I've never asked him into my life in the first place. And I know that I can't do this on my own anymore. And that if Jesus were to come today, I would not be ready. I would find myself on the outside of heaven, on the outside of his kingdom. And today I need to ask for his forgiveness. Today I, I need to take a step of faith. Ask Jesus to be my savior, my Lord. I need to surrender my life to him. Whether you're in this room or watching this on a screen somewhere, if right now you'd say, Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You know that today you need to make things right between you and him. It's right where you are. You can raise your hand, put it right back down. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Father, in these moments, as we come to your table, Lord, we ask that you would allow our hearts to be turned towards you. God, where we need forgiveness, that you would bring that forgiveness into our life. Where we need to surrender ourselves to you, God, we do it in this moment. Father, where we need your guidance and your healing and your grace, Lord, would you bring it in our lives? And may we remember, not just celebrate that you came the first time, but remember that you're coming again. In Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father, as we hold the bread in our hands, we thank you that you loved us enough to send your son. Jesus, you came and allowed your body to be broken so that we could know your forgiveness. God, each one of us that needs your forgiveness and your grace, Lord, we ask that you would help us to not allow this to become so routine that we forget just what you did for us. Jesus, we remember your sacrifice as we share in the bread together. In Jesus' name, let's share in the bread together. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the cup. It represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We know that there's life in the blood and that there's healing in the blood and that there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus and that Jesus, because of your shed blood, we have the hope that we will spend eternity in heaven with you. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us to remember not just what you did the first time, but to anticipate and look forward to the fact that you are coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the cup together.
And to conclude this service today, we're gonna sing a song that allows us not only to remember what Jesus did for us as we just celebrated with communion, but also to look forward to the fact that he's coming again. If you're in this room, I'm gonna invite you to stand with us right now. And if you're at home, you might wanna stand as well. We're gonna take a moment and sing this song together. We're gonna make it our prayer to give thanks and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you for the promise that we have to hold on to that this broken world will be repaired, that our hopes will be met, and that Jesus is coming again. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's By heavy stone, Messiah still and all
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for the truth in your word. And we rejoice in the reminder that we can persevere, that we have great reward ahead, that this broken world will be repaired. And we look with great longing, knowing that someday, Jesus, we'll see you face to face. That you'll look us in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, may we live our lives with an urgency and a passion and a realization that Jesus is coming again. May this Christmas season be a season where we're not only reminded that you came the first time, but that our hope is in your second coming. Lord, help us to live this out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen.